1: A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tige.
0: Turned to the Target Center earlier this week. Was very excited. Uh, I wouldn't say a jam-packed Target Center, but dude, that crowd was ready to pop. That crowd was, I don't know, it was a little bit of an earlier start time. 6.30 against the Sixers. It's like every little thing early that went well for the Wolves. It was like an overreaction by the by the crowd. They were ready to go, and the Wolves just buzz-killed it. Maybe the most like ridiculously uh, dragging and dreadful game of the season. So after the couple of the best wins of the season, they come home and they lay a turd against the Sixers, Kyle.
1: Yeah, I felt so bad because I woke up that next morning, and I, like we were joking about before, you were all over my timeline. You were in all <laughs> in the same seats. outfit, like, by the way. I'm literally yep, wearing same outfit.
0: I haven't changed in three days. It's actually
1: <laughs> I haven't showered. That's, that's, that's when great. you really know you're into the content game. Noah, uh, you were all kissing babies, taking photos. Um, a good first <laughs> quarter for the most part. Uh, I think the highlight of the game itself was I don't know if you caught this because you were there, but Finch was like mic'd up, and right at the end of the first half, he just went in on uh the officials and it was great. Like you never what he like, like I need just, to
0: know what to tell my guys at halftime or something.
1: Like, well, yep. Yeah. But then he, he must've said like everything is, or every time. And then the ref was must've been like, Oh, every time I get into those arguments with my wife all the time. When I say something dramatic and she's like, Oh, every time it's like, okay, no, not every time. But, <laughs> uh, and then he brought up good points. He was like, they have what they're starting lineup or starting five as one foul. And you know, they've taken all these free throws and stuff. So they didn't lose that game because of officiating or well, maybe, maybe cause you were there, but uh. They just didn't play very well, but it reminded it reminded me watching that game because they had no answers for Embiid, and that Sixers team. I know they were without Harden, but they're really good. Like they're kind of hitting their peak too. They uh, outscored the Bucks forty eight to twenty eight over the weekend to come back. But uh, I don't know if you. I'm sure you've seen Billy Madison, but it uh, it reminded me of uh, in the decathlon kind of segment of that movie when they're playing instruments and like the bad guy like plays this violin like an absolute pro and then billy madison like takes a couple puffs into his flute and then kind of looks over he's like he's good like that's yeah. kind of what the game was it's like the sixers are actually <laughs> they're good and we're just okay so uh that's a tough one to drop but yeah we have one more game at home against the nets and now it's kind of back to the roller coaster are you going to be able to pick that one up or are you going to kind of free fall here
0: yeah, and we will do, uh, I think at this point, we need to do episodic Western Conference playoff picture updates because it really <laughs> is that ready, dramatic ready. and tight. From the 5 seed all the way down to the 13 seed, it's very tight-knit. Yep. But, yeah, it just kind of felt like, like I said last week, I'm out of the prediction business for the most part. I did relapse on Write That Down this week on Mackie and Judd, and I did predict they would win their next two games and get three games above five hundred for the first time all season. But um, it's just like, yeah, you, know, you come back home, you got a couple extra days off. The Sixers are coming off, scoring 147 points, like you said, on a back-to-back on the road, and you get smoked. You know, I'm you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, they deserve the rest of the season to see how this plays out, but it's losses like that to just make you like, bang your head against a wall as a Wolves fan.
1: Yeah, and, it I mean, there was just weird things that game. Like, Austin Rivers played, and he didn't give you anything, and you just— uh, coming off of a game where you score 138 points and you're like, wow, this offense is humming, to just – I mean, I really drew no excuses, the bad loss. I mean, they we're, we're getting to this point now where, like, again, you need to win every possible game you can because there's so many other teams in the West, whether it be the Grizzlies or the Suns, all these – the Mavs, like they have weird injuries or they have other off-the-court stuff. So every game you can win is important. But uh, that was one of the few games where I just was kind of like, I don't know, just missed a lot of shots, had no answer for Embiid, should – Rudy Gobert, who he traded all those picks for, be the answer for Embiid? Yeah, I guess, but Embiid is just, to me, the closest thing I've seen since, like, a Shaq. I mean, I've seen him. He is such a huge human being that uh, even the best version of Rudy I don't think was going to slow a guy like that down. So, uh, yeah. tough loss, but, yeah, I think you play you play the Nets again at home on Friday. The Nets play on Thursday tonight, so you get kind of catch them at the right time, but— but we'll see. Like I said, the prediction business with this team is every time you think they're gonna zig, they zag.
0: Uh, let's get to a few Carl Anthony Towns updates here from uh, from Chris Finch at practice today. So I'm gonna this this first one's from John Krasinski, our friend at the Athletic. Chris Finch says Carl Anthony Towns has started doing two on O work with uh, player development staff. Still has the process of ramping up before joining actual practice. No timetable yet for a return, but a step in the right direction. And then Finch added, this is from our guy, Dane Moore, who you are uh, a part of uh, his Dane Moore NBA podcast. And Finch said, I don't know when he'll begin actually practicing. I would imagine we could get him into some five on O stuff coming up here soon, but I haven't had that conversation yet. Um, and then there was a reference to to Kat is kind of, he's kind of chomping at the bit and maybe he wants to do more than uh, the Wolves are allowing him to. And uh, one more thing, Finch said it's possible, depending on when Carl Anthony Towns comes back, that maybe you're strategic and he comes off the bench to start with that, depending on what the minutes are. In any event, he's not necessarily super close to returning, and the games keep peeling off the schedule here, Kyle. So as I've said kind of all along, it's this crazy circumstance where you are going to plop a third-team All-NBA unicorn back on this team with like, I don't know, 10 games to go, whatever, 12 games to go. And he could either be the final piece to complete this puzzle, and you take off, and boom, you're just a totally different team going into the playoffs, or the chemistry could be weird and the fit trying to get... you know He's never played with Mike Conley before. Anthony Edwards is kind of a different spot than he was before the injury, and uh, it could sort of derail you as you figure out. I have no idea which path uh, it's going to go down, but he has made some progress, I guess.
1: Yeah, and it's been... I mean, we've kind of talked about it for months ever since he went down in November against Washington, but uh, I don't know. I, it the whole thing has just it's been handled weird. It leads to conspiracy theories. I don't think anyone specific gets a hundred percent of you know our classic blame pie, but I think everyone also gets a little bit. Um, our my Jack Borman who runs Canis Hoopus actually wrote a really good thing on Wednesday about just kind of like an update on what you just read. But also too, just kind of being like, I think the team could have been better here. Someone someone could have just come out and been like, hey, listen, this was actually worse than we thought. The four to six week thing, which was put out by Woj at the time. That's not true. Like, it just we we gotta there's real stuff here. Like, real doctors have said that if you rush him back, he can have a Katie like situation. I mean, Kevin Durant kind of rushed back when he had his injury and then he ended up tearing his Achilles. I don't know, everyone's body is different, but I think they just want to be patient but it's like damn that's fine i guess even if he doesn't play the rest of the year but at least tell us because you still got you're still doing your season ticket renewals you're still trying to you know push people to get to games and taking the the cut or the tarps off the bleed or the seats in the in the nosebleeds so i just think someone being a little more transparent would have been nice because then it does lead to like did carl buy twitter is carl in the ukraine like is where is carl anthony towns at this point point? and it's just like we could have just all addressed that by being like hey it was worse than we originally thought. Maybe he had a setback. It hasn't recovered as well as we thought. And the end of the day, we don't want this dude to re-hurt himself. Because as I always said, any player that tears their Achilles, it's pretty much done. I know mm-hmm. Kevin Durant came back, but that's one out of a 100,000. Like, you tear your Achilles and your game is just never the same. And that would be a death blow to this team. Not, not getting Carl back for the stretch run sucks, but not getting Carl for 18 more months would be catastrophic. Yeah.
0: They've done a good job kind of bridging. That That's the one area where you do miss D'Lo the most is when Ant doesn't have it on certain mm-hmm. nights or even even when he does or if he's on the bench resting, you know, like a basketball player does. You don't really have offense in a can that you mm-hmm. can just open. Mm-hmm. It has to be schemed offense. Yeah. And with Cat... With you've got just a little bit more offense in a can. Okay, uh shot clock's winding down. How about the 7-footer just shoots a ball over a shorter guy's head for 3 and or or just like dribble drives to the hoop, gets to the free throw line. You know, that can't come soon enough for this for this Wolves team. Um I have another question too uh, on the Gobert front since we're kind of rifling through some of these topics and then we do have a really fun so someone uh Answered our sort of tongue-in-cheek challenge of what are the best Timberwolves trades in history? Are there good? Are there good Timberwolves trades that we can find? Um, I've been thinking about this, and Embiid and, and goes off for like thirty-nine points in three quarters on the you know the second night of a back-to-back, and Gobert wasn't guarding him the whole time. But it's like, okay, part of the reason why you bring Rudy Gobert in is so games like that don't happen, and it just feels like to me it has felt like anecdotally the Wolves. Not that they were sold a bill of goods, but that they purchased a like like a knockoff white label version of Rudy Gobert in that trade. Yeah, he's been mm-hmm. he's been fine. He's been he's had some nice stretches, and he's certainly mixing in with um you know with um Mike Conley and and Kyle Anderson. But it feels like they're getting a lesser version of of him than was advertised. And so I went in and was kind of digging around through like a basketball reference and. If you take Rudy Gobert's last three seasons in Utah and just combine them and take the averages of his last three seasons, all of which were all-star years for him, all right, and compare it to this year, his numbers are down two and a half rebounds per game versus the last three years in Utah, a full block per game. He's down almost two points per game. His defensive net rating, although good by Wolves standards, uh, is the worst of his NBA career in 2022-23. He has the lowest player efficiency rating and win share marks since 2016. And the Jazz over the last three seasons were 10 points better per 100 possessions with him on the court versus off the court. The Wolves are actually better by a hair when he's off the court. So do you feel this way about Rudy? Like, to me, I mean, the numbers kind of bear it out. It just kind of feels like if you got the version that you saw in Utah, or if maybe some of it's just like the way that he has integrated here versus there, he had... Several years of building chemistry with certain players, maybe it just takes more than a year. Kind of feels like the like the wolves went to the uh, corner of a street in Midtown and uh, and like bought some fake Oakleys or something. That's that's what it feels like for this uh, first season of yeah, Gobert to me. And
1: that that's the concern, right? Like it, uh, if you don't if you don't get the, I mean, you paid a premium, and if you're not even getting the premium version, then it's like, well, you already were kind of taken, raked over the coals for paying a premium. Uh, and now you're not even getting, you know, the, you paid a dollar thirty for a dollar asset. Well, you're not even getting a dollar asset. You're getting 80 cents. So it's been the concern ever since he showed up to camp. Um, I remember last year, like, Judd was really big on this, right? Because Judd, Judd doesn't want any of our American players playing in the, the Olympics or those national things, which I get because it's yeah. like you don't want them playing in situations where they could get hurt, even though it's a big – you know, whether it be baseball or football or any sport, it's big for your country, but it's also like it's a unpaid, really uninsured version of the sport that if you get hurt or something happens, it's going to affect the team. That's, you know, really paying you the big bucks. He gets mad when the
0: bobsledders are out there in the Olympics. Like They're going to be injured for their professional bobsledding league. You can't let them bobsled internationally. What is this? They're going to be injured for when they have
1: to do tax season as accountants. Uh, No, I for Rudy. It's just like, he never has fully looked the same. We had talked about he had big knee braces on during preseason and stuff. I think he's looked better and more fresh. But yeah, it's still like, I don't know. I don't, this is the worst take ever because there's no take involved. It's just like, I don't, you just hope that it's still a level of getting comfortable because you can see if you watch enough hoops now, like when players aren't comfortable or they're new or the chemistry is weird, you can see that on the floor. And sometimes I see that with Rudy. I don't know if it's, I mean, he did have a block against Embiid where Embiid was kind of under the basket, and Rudy had to, like, kind of, like, he got kind of pushed under and then had to, like, double jump, and he swatted the thing out to the three-point line, and then, like, Mm -hmm. I think Melton caught it and hit the three anyway, but that was, like, oh, that was Rudy just standing straight up, jumping straight up, and getting a block at the rim. That was pretty impressive. I don't think Rudy did that in October or November, but it's a concern, man. I mean, it's just one of the many that you add to the... You took a gamble. Like, you didn't go all in on a 23-year-old. You went all in on a guy whose, you know, odometer has more miles. But to the to the other point, like, Embiid cooked everybody on the Wolves. And outside of, I think Ant went 5 for 10 from 3. The Wolves shot 6 for 26. The rest of the team, um, not a good game for Rudy. He had 6 and 9. No one did. But I thought Rudy's been really good these last couple of weeks. But it's something to monitor. I mean, you know, it's something to talk about in October, right? Like, when he does get this summer off, he doesn't have any Eurobasket things. Like... Maybe this training camp will be the first time where he's really able to rest his body, but you need to get Rudy you need to get the best version of Rudy to make that deal even close to
0: something that was fair for and both I sides. Think, and what's tough is, you know, he you know, they they purchased this basketball asset at age 30 and you kind of knew that you're you're basically just in a race against depreciation here. You're it's a <laughs> it's you're hoping he you know that he's gonna erode. And you're hoping that you sort of beat the clock. And anytime yeah. a 30 year old NBA player um, with and he's for for I think for a big guy he tends to profile a little bit more like the Tyson Chandler's who and maybe the Dikembe Mutombos in terms of skill set, and that he's not relying on like an offensive blow by you game yep. to to. If, if he can block shots and grab some rebounds and even if he has to scale back to like 24, 25 minutes, I could see him being effective. The you know, the profile of his style of play into his thirties, but you're with his super max contract and with what you gave up, you're not looking for like the 36 year old, Dikembe Mutombo. You're looking for like the, in his prime player here. And it yeah. kind of feels like he's in the first year with the wolves. He's already emerging into like, the the diet version of Gobert here, and I don't know. I, I hear what you are saying in terms of oh, if he has an off season where he's not playing internationally and he can just kick his feet up, in theory, he should come back fresher and healthier. But that doesn't help them in the first year of a deal in which, yep. like, you didn't you didn't trade for him so that oh, in a couple of years when he's done playing international basketball, you can get the full version of him. I don't know that the full version of him exists beyond the age of 31, 30, 31. I think it. I think you are only going to get lesser versions. And the question is, can it still be enough for you to win as big as you want to? Or do you have to just look at this and say, this is the other big question. You know, I don't think he's been like awful for the Timberwolves, but is he something that you want to have around for the next two or three years based on what you've seen this season? And would they be willing to swallow their pride and trade him for like 25 or 50 cents on the dollar compared to what they gave up? It's going to be so fascinating to see here in a couple months how they handle this.
1: And that's going back to our previous topic. That's why... to me, if every doctor, whether it be the Wolves doctors or, I mean, at this point, Carl has his own doctor. I mean, everyone has their own doctors. Uh, if everyone is lockstep that Carl can come back and not risk any further injury, then Carl should come back with one game left even. Like, you just need to see, as much as we think this is Ant's team moving forward, and yes, that's the case, it's still like the bet was made on Carl and Rudy. Those are the guys that need to show you they can fit because you're never going to trade Ant. But you might trade one of those two guys. So that's why you just need to get as much sample size and data as possible. But, yeah, I mean, the, the off season to rest and not play your basketball is just all a pipe dream, right? It's just hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also wonder, too, like, okay, if, if Rudy Gobert in his peak was an A+, and now the Wolves have, are getting a B-plus version, can he stay at, like, a B-plus level for the rest of that contract? Or is it like, nope, next year it's a B. And then the next year after that, it's like a C, play. you know what I mean? Like, is, is he plateauing and just a new level or is he continuously declining? So, yeah. ten, you know, 10th rated defense in the league. Haven't done that since Kevin Garnett was around. So I think his impact is still there. Um, I think his blocks have gone up a little bit, which gives me hope that maybe something fresh is happening. He did get the all-star break uh, to kind of ice his knees. But, uh, yeah, that's just one of the many things that you would hope, right, Phil, that they, they discussed. Uh, last July, when they made the trade, is like, yeah. listen, we're we're trading for this twenty nine year old all time defensive player, but uh, he does turn thirty, <laughs> and yeah. he's going to continue to age. So yeah, I, I'm with you on the Dikembe stuff. I think he could still be good at thirty four because he doesn't, I mean, you know, he doesn't, he has a lot of miles on his legs, but he's not like an offensive. They're not dependent on him, right? It's a lot of defense, a lot of around the rim stuff. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, he didn't look good against Embiid, but I, I to his credit, I thought he looked pretty good the week and a half prior.
0: You know, total side note here as we're as we're talking get ready for one incredible night of rock with static x
1: and seven dust
0: Machine Killer North American Tour. Saturday, May 18th, Myth Live with special guests, dope, and lines of loyalty. Tickets on sale now at MythLive.com or Etix.com. Don't miss Static X and Seven Dust. Because it, it this this really has. We started doing flagrant howls right before the Gobert trade. So like the Gobert trade is gonna gonna always be this this flag in the ground for the launch of this uh this Timberwolves fan community that you guys are helping us build and grow here on score North, but the, um, the Nikhil Alexander Walker episode that we did, I guess it would have been like two or three days ago is one of the most consumed episodes of flagrant Howls We've done since like, like the off season go bear stuff was a different planet. Like we came mm-hmm. out of the gate hot, but it's one of the most in terms of like, since the season has started and that's what this, this, this fan base, when Nikhil Alexander Walker checked into the game, they gave him a loud ovation. It's a smart, perceptive fan base, and you know this, especially your work at Canis Hoopus for those years. You know this. This fan base has just been crapped on time after time, especially for the last twenty years. And for them to be as engaged as they still are, understanding the value that Nikhil Alexander Walker has brought in the you know handful of games since that trade, to give him a loud ovation, and for just anecdotally on our end, for us to see that wow, like us talking about him is more popular than almost any episode we've done since the beginning of the season. I just thought that was kind of cool.
1: No, and uh, obviously the Timberwolves are like my specialty, but you uh, also have overseen Minnesota sports for much longer than I have. Uh, and I constantly say it's, it's, not, it's not gaslighting or you know, propaganda. I think this is like the best one of, I think this is the best city for, for fans. I just, at all levels, whether it be the Vikings, the Twins, the Timberwolves, anything, um, you know, and the men's sports have been, like you said, crapped on um whether it be what we talked about at the top with transparency or just anything when it comes to injuries or what's going on or even in this it's just like I heard someone else that was at the game on on Tuesday was like yo this place is ready for like playoff basketball and I was at mm-hmm. that pl- playing game against the clippers and all the grizzlies games um and it's just that's why you know whatever Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez their visions are whenever they decide to venmo Glenn next um they have a real opportunity here that this this fan base has been dormant. But, man, real smart basketball community. And that's, again, why it gets so frustrating. And the conspiracy theories grow on certain topics. It's like if you're just honest with them, they're going to take it well. Like, it's it's you coined it. It's the Eminem from 8 Mile. Like, they know everything that's been said about them. They're very self-aware. Um, but to this, too, it's like that was crazy, right? You and I just talked 40 minutes about trying to get Nikhil Alexander-Walker. <laughs> A max contract, and it was one of our best episodes ever. So, yes, thank you again to everyone that listens to this and supports us because this is uh, this is some of the most fun I've ever had talking about this yeah. team
0: that even that, – a uh, 500 basketball team. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and they still – well, this might be a good segue into, if you're ready for it, the Western Conference playoff picture update. Are you prepared? <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay, this is your Western Conference playoff picture update on Vigrant Howells. So despite the buzzkill loss, the Timberwolves remain – Right in the thick of things here. Now, they did slide down from the six seed to the seven seed. So the Nuggets up at the top, they're clear of everyone by 7 games. Uh, The Nuggets are pretty much smooth sailing at this point into the number 1 seed. The Sacramento Kings have caught the fading and I would say in some cases uh, turmoil-laden Grizzlies for the number 2 seed. The Grizzlies have lost 3 games in a row. Brandon Clark... John Morant for at least five more games, while they try to figure out. Sounds like there's not going to be any sort of like legal repercussions for him bringing a gun into a nightclub and some other gun instances, uh, but the league could still clamp down on him, right?
1: Yeah, and I uh, just just a educated guess. I wonder if he comes back this this regular season. Uh, I think there's more going on behind the scenes, just to, just from what you read online. But um, but in addition to what you just said, losing. Brandon Clark, who was a Wolves killer on the court. Well, Morant's doing his thing. Steven Adams was announced today that he's out for four more weeks. He's been like a key cog to everything they do. So mm-hmm. they're free-falling down the standings. But yeah, keep going because every team you're about to list, you can poke some real holes into their short-term and kind of playoff long-term uh, resume and what they have going on.
0: Kevin Durant slipped on a banana peel or something <laughs> in warm Did you see that video, dude? He d- It was like... It was, he went in, it was like a layup drill line and he, his leg just like and I, <laughs> just I don't la- folded underneath him. I don't laugh because it's, it's like it was his, supposed to be his son's
1: home debut. Can you imagine how excited you'd be like to see Ant go down like that or anyone? It's just uh, that was brutal. And then the, the reports on him are anywhere from he'll be fine, he'll be back Friday, to like he could be out the rest of the season. So who knows? Man. That.
0: So the Suns had one well, and I guess they have a four-game winning streak. So they're still in they're still kind of fighting for like the second or the third seed and they're three games clear of the Warriors and the Clippers tied for the fifth seed. Yep. The Wolves are a half game back of those two teams in the seventh spot tied with Dallas. And then a game and a half back of the Wolves and Dallas are the Lakers and the Pelicans at 32 and 34. And then just one game back of so and those two teams are the 9 and the 10. So the three teams on the outside of the plan are just one game back of the bottom rung of the plan, the Thunder, the Blazers and the Jazz all with uh, varying degrees of losing streaks. But so the Wolves are right in the thick of this race for let's call it the cuz the Suns are are a few games clear of the five. So from 5 Warriors all the way to 13 Jazz, Thunder, Blazers, 3 games separate <laughs> all of those teams. Warriors, Clippers, Wolves, Mavericks, Lakers, Pelicans, Thunder, Blazers, and Jazz. So Wolves, if you can just just r- rattle off like just a four-game winning streak, mm-hmm. just to do it. Look, I mean, the Knicks just rattled off, wasn't it like a nine-game winning streak for God's sakes? And they finally lost. If the Knicks can rattle off a nine-game winning streak, what are we doing here? Huh? How about just like four, four or five Eight. games in a row and break free from this cluster?
1: So thirty-four and thirty-three let me do the math yeah 60 yeah so again 15 games remaining it's the final lap of a, you know a mile on a track is four laps it's the final lap of the mile um and like you said this, you just poked holes in the grizzlies the suns the warriors are 7 and 25 on the road and have like a six game road trip coming up um the clippers look like one loss away from checking out the mavs Luca had an mri today the lakers don't have lebron the Pelicans look like they don't care about basketball, and then just and it,
0: Zion's just always it, out for three months. It, you know,
1: chaotic, and like you said, to go from anywhere from five to thirteen. Um, even after a pitiful performance against the Sixers, I'm pretty confident in saying I'll just, you know, like you said, knock on wood, but write that down. Like I, the Wolves are going to make one of the top ten spots, but man, if you you can really do yourself, it seems like everyone right now is kind of on the ropes in the West, just like trying to, you know, recover or deal with an injury or deal with an off the court thing. The Wolves have their own major injury. We just talked about it, Carl and Thay Towns. But, man, if you could just string together a three-game winning streak could really separate yourself from, you know, last year it was great, Phil, to be in the playing game. That was fun. It took 17 years off my life, but you advanced and you got in the playoffs. It would just be way cooler to not play in that game. Way okay. cooler. Like, our, let's just our, get to the w- top six and not be in one of those situations.
0: Are you, sir? You kind of alluded that you're you're sort of mentally free from worrying about there because there was a period there, not even that long ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, where you're like, oh my god, they just lost three in a row, and then the schedule gets yeah crazy yeah. tough. Is there a chance they can miss all of it? Where are you with that? Let's just talk about worst case. Are you are you at all thinking about in the back of your mind? Okay, well, uh, if the Thunder get frisky, or if the Jazz, you know, string together some wins, or or if Damian Lillard, you know, carries the Blazers. Is there any percent chance that they miss all of it? Or are you, are you free of that sort of anxiety?
1: Uh, well, oh, I don't want to say that because <laughs> I know what team we follow and what you know, we've been doing here. But, uh, I mean, the, the Thunder and the Jazz are like tanking. like They're like not like, oh, Walker Kessler. They're tanking, but
0: they're tonight. also still like as much as they're tanking, they're still going to win like almost 40 games. That's the crazy thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, th- now it's like you look at the games behind or whatever part of the standings. Um, now I kind of look at like the wins. Like the Jazz are three wins behind the Timberwolves, and they're on a four-game losing like, streak. They, they're they going to start to struggle to win games. Same with the Thunder if they don't play SGA. Um, the Blazers are like an AAU team. Like they have Damian Lillard to shoot 50 shots, and it oh, yeah. works for them, but they don't have a lot of other guys around them. So I- I'm more confident than I was two weeks ago, but I, I really do. I mean, I know that this is the Minnesota Timberwolves and their basement is a trap door. But I'm pretty confident the way that this team has, again, every time that's like, can they go three games over 500? They let you down. But all the quotes that came out of that locker room against Philly were kind of eerily reminiscent of the quotes that came out against the Warriors when it's like, yeah, we just missed shots. We're okay. And the fans, myself included, like, what are you talking about? You're not just okay. And then they would go on to string together three of their better games. So It all, you know, this Nets thing, they still have seven more games straight against the Eastern Conference, so they're not going to be involved in, you know, these other Western teams, too. Like, they all play each other. They're going to cannibalize each other at some level. Um, But yeah, the Wolves, I mean, they're going to have to do their kind of climb by playing the Eastern Conference, and the Eastern Conference this year, I think, has an over 500 record against the West, so it's not easy, but they just need to, again, avoid three-game losing streaks is more than a thing. Just even if you go 500 (laughs) the rest of the season, a a 500 team is gonna get you well into the playoffs maybe the plans so it it's it's never not exciting but every game you lose now is a little more painful even if it's against good teams
0: yeah that's the thing i mean not that not that we should be uh like looking at other teams to validate sort of the wolves failure so far this year but if you look around the western conference is just full of teams wondering and fan bases wondering what is wrong with like you know dallas mavericks fans what is wrong with this why can't we figure this out we got luca and you know, we can't find a second superstar that has chemistry with him. If you're the Pelicans and the fans, you're like, well, what do we do with Zion? He just, he never plays. He's never, he's literally just out for three months at a time, all the time. He's not reliable. Lakers are just trying to cling to the last year or two of LeBron. I think the Warriors, ultimately, those fans are are fat and happy and know that when it comes time, they'll flip a switch of some kind. Um, so, but it's like misery loves company in the Western Conference. The only fan bases, I think, in the West that are truly ecstatic about the way their regular seasons are going are Denver and probably the Sacramento Kings. who are doing this for the first yeah. time in 20 years and the sun's after the Durant trade, but now they're walking on eggshells again. Cause really the sun's the only outcome that can make those fans happy at this point is a championship considering didn't they have a two 0 lead in the finals a couple of years ago yep. over the bucks. So yep. there's only one level uh, left for them. So, I mean, the wolves are one of like six or seven teams that are looking around like, God, what's going on here? This is uh, so ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and uh, Sean Sean Hyken, who covers the Blazers, had a fun tweet the other day where he said that the Blazers were 10-0, a couple of days ago, 10-0 and against the tanking teams, like the bad ones, Detroit, mm-hmm. Houston, Charlotte, and San Antonio, um, but they were still at that time like f- three games back of the Wolves, so they were perfect on the season against the really bad teams and were still not as good as Minnesota, and then the Wolves, as I said at that time, were 4-7 and seven against those teams. If they were 11-0, not doing the what-if game, just comparing. If they were 11-0, they would have been 41-25 and, and two no. games clear of the second seed. So it just shows you, like, just comping other teams. The Blazers are also have, a like, a paper mache floor that's like, they're only even in this because they take care of business, mm-hmm. right? The Wolves are really in this because they play up to the level of their competition when need be, like the Kings on the road, like the Lakers, and then also just welcome in the Pistons and say, you know, run all over us. So... Crazy year, probably one of the biggest parody years ever. I mean, by th- by March, man, when the brackets come out for college, you know who like the two or three teams that are going to win the finals are. And I don't know. I, that Nuggets team has holes. The Suns, you know, it all is tied to Katie's ankles. Um, the Celtics have floundered. The Sixers, the the Bucks, have some question marks on their bench. So really fun year if you're into the NBA because I don't remember the last time on March 9th that there were still this many teams kind of in it. And like you just said, there's 25 teams that are still in it in two conferences, which is pretty cool. Yeah,
0: the Wolves are 16 and 17, so 16 and 17 against above 500 teams. They're 18 and 16 against below 500 teams. So they they have Mm -hmm. basically an identical record versus the best teams in the league uh, compared to the worst. The Clippers, the clip, so the Clippers are just a half game above the Wolves. The Clippers are 12 and 25 against winning teams. 23 and eight yeah, against losing sense. teams um, let's see what other teams here It looks like the the Grizzlies are 15 and 17 against above 500. the Kings are 13 and 19 against above 500 teams. So if you just take the wolves versus the best teams, they have one of the one of the two or three best records in the uh, in the Western Conference. The only team above 500 against winning teams in the West is the nuggets so the wolves do have the second best record against winning teams. In the Western Conference, and the good news is, when you get to the playoffs, you don't have to worry about playing the Pistons anymore. You don't you don't you don't have to hear right. yeah. a, a letdown against the Hornets or the Rockets. You only play the winning teams, and so maybe that's good news for their chances to be engaged and paying attention. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I was I was thinking that if the Wolves made the playoffs, that like their opponent would just pay for like the entire Pistons team or Rockets team to just like sit courtside, you know, and just like be in the building. It's like oh, the Pistons are at Target Center again he watch the wolves blow this game or lose this game. So yeah, 15 games left. I mean, it's, it's what I think less than a month. Um, and you trying to figure out if Carl's coming back or you're trying to figure out, can we get as high as five or can we drop completely out of this picture? So, um, if nothing else, every game is worth tuning in for. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, again, I always say this, but every March I'm just like kind of checked out on the Timberwolves. So the fact that people still wanted to listen to us talk about Nikhil Alexander Walker was like the eighth best player on this team, uh, Shows yeah. you how juiced this fan base is for trying to, you know, not only copy, but maybe even exceed what last year's feeling was. Cause target center was insane for that playing game and for those playoffs. So that's the hope fingers crossed.
0: So uh, a few days ago, we sort of jokingly mentioned, you know, is, is that one of the best trades in, in Wolves history, the, the DLO trade for Nikhil Alexander Walker, Mike Conley and some draft picks and we I mean, you're like, what's that list even look like? Are there are there even like five good trades in Timberwolves history? Mr. Nelson on YouTube. And, and I'm just going to trust his research on this. He has brought in no particular order the eight best trades in Timberwolves history. Let's start at the okay. bottom of this list and work our way up. All right. OK. I love this one. Wancho Hernan Gomez and Jarrett Culver for Patrick Beverly. Say that one again. Oh, Say that one I think out. our I think our internet connection might be uh might be on the fritz here. Wancho Herning Gomez and Jarrett Culver for Patrick Beverly.
1: Yeah, that was fantastic because Jarrett Culver was that was one of the few times you see a GM cut their losses early. Back to your Rudy point, there's like Jarrett Culver is just not it. It's just he might not be meant yeah. for the NBA mentally. Um, and Patrick Beverly is one of the best things <laughs> as a backup point guard ever was one of the best things that ever happened to this team. So. To get him for two guys that are basically out of the league, Uh, yeah, that is like, again, hang the banner for number 22 and put Beverly's name on it, not Wiggins.
0: Dude, I also love how the Wolves spent the better part of a decade drafting players that couldn't shoot, like Jarrett Culver, um, Chris Dunn. You go back to Corey Brewer and Derek Williams, like just a bunch of dudes who couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. All right, Um, Brooklyn's 2020 first-round pick. For Ricky Rubio and two first-round picks that turned into Jade McDaniels and Leandro Balmaro.
1: Yeah, that one's crazy. That one's crazy. It's, I have a Lakers fan in my life, and they always remind me in a joking way, that like, they drafted Jade McDaniels at 28. Mm-hmm. So, um, to be able to get, again, you know, 2020, even 2019, that the Culver pick was a big miss but everyone thought at the time that, that Gerson Rosas was moving up to get Darius Garland, who is now an all-star. The, the, the Cavs at the time, I think, didn't really need him because they had like in and like, well, why would we need another guard? And they just took best player available, which is what you do. But um, if the Wolves land Garland, I mean, again, every domino effect from 2019, if they land Darius Garland, who is an all-star, do they trade for D'Angelo Russell, right? If, if they have Garland, does that mess up the ping pong balls? Do you get Ant? Uh, it's your backcourt right now, Ant and Darius Garland. So, oh my God, that is uh, that's one of the bigger what ifs of all time. Is like if the Cavs just don't take Garland at five, the Wolves, you know, fall into him. It's funny that Jarrett Culver was their twenty nineteen like big pick, and he's not on the team, and the two better players just flat out on the court were Nas Reed, who was undrafted, and Jalen Noel, who's a second yeah. rounder. So, yeah, that was a good trade. Anytime you get Jaden McDaniels or any McDaniels brother, it's a it's a good
0: deal. Man, yeah, there's some. uh some trades in here that I forgot about uh Robert Covington to the Nuggets for Malik Beasley Wancho Hernan Gomez Jared Vanderbilt Evan Turner's dead money and Brooklyn's 2020 first round pick that they wound up then spinning later in the Rubio trade for Jay McDowell so Covington to the Nuggets for Malik Wancho Jared Vanderbilt Evan Turner's dead money and a first round pick
1: Gerson Rosas was a wizard (laughs) like I don't know what you what else to say like if that man could have how do I say if that man could have just kept it together uh who knows where this franchise might be right now but um a lot of those moves were directly tied to Rosas and man were they good ones but again that too like they cut they got rid of Robert Covington who was Carl Anthony Towns best friend or like one of his closest friends um and it was kind of like why would you get rid of like one of the best 3 and D guys in the world and then his career just kind of fell off a cliff um And then to get Malik and Vando and the draft capital and stuff, uh, that was a really good one too. I mean, they got more basically for like Robert Covington than Tibbs got for Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler trade brought in Robert Covington. So they kind of erased a wrong there because they had such a bad trade for Jimmy Butler when they sent
0: him to Philly. All right, this one's from 20 years ago. Mark Jackson, I think he was uh, like an undersized center or power Mm -hmm. forward. Mark Jackson not the Mark Jackson from ESPN and Warriors coach and Nick's point guard, but like the other Mark Jackson to Philadelphia and Terrell Brandon to Atlanta for Latrell Sprewell.
1: Okay. Yeah, that must've was that.
0: the So it was like really Latrell, uh, Terrell Brandon was still on the wolves. I'm going to fact check this one real quick.
1: Okay. Well, I'll fill some space here. My brain doesn't really go back that far, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, when 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 Kevin McHale at the time built, you know, the Garnett, Sam Cassell, Latrell Sprewell kind of big three. We weren't really doing big threes then, but uh, you know, they went out and got real viable, talented players to put around KG, and it worked. And then it kind of all didn't work again because players, you know, started looking at dollars and cents and wanted to feed their families. So, um, but yeah, that was hmm. that. Is it, did they have that one right? Yeah. So he was know, yeah, his, yeah.
0: his. He wasn't really. It was it was his contract basically. So he was, by the way, swapping Marbury, a malcontent, and sort of a volume score. Stephon Marbury. Here's my hot take for you for this episode. Oh, Marbury, like the most this. overrated, uh, and I would say like over beloved Minnesota athlete in my lifetime. People still like fawn over them. Oh, what what could have yep. been? Marbury and Garnett. You know what could have been? Nothing. Marbury was a losing player his entire career. Terrell Brandon was better for the Timberwolves than Stefan Marbury was. That's my hot take for you. And the Wolves made a huge mistake on draft night by trading Ray Allen for Stefan Marbury. Yep, yep. Imagine K, now KG and Ray Allen teamed up later with Paul Pierce and won a championship. Imagine those guys playing like a decade together in their 20s. The Wolves you know, might have won some chips.
1: It's it, it just is a reminder of that if you're still here, I know we just said the fan base is awesome and thanks for helping us grow this little pod, but there's really no reason for you to be here like you you should have left because it wasn't just one or two years of incompetence. It's been failure after failure to surround, you know, this team hasn't lacked good players, like historically it's just, they've lacked the kind of supplementary players to put around them. So the one time they kind of hit it right. And the trade you just mentioned, and they put the right pieces around KG, it worked. And now moving forward, you know, they put a lot of dudes around Carl and it didn't really work. And now the hope is, is that if Ant is the future, putting the players around him, you know, it starts with Rudy, maybe continues with Cat, that um, if nothing else, nothing has changed in this league. It's a talent-driven league, more than any sport, I think, in, in the world. It's all about elite talent, and if you don't have it, you just
0: got one of them, you're pretty much screwed. Anthony Peeler and Joe Smith, the Milwaukee Bucks, for Sam Cassell and Irvin Johnson.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Irvin Johnson was, like, low-key good, too. I don't know Just how a I good like defensive. I mean, yeah, he was early
0: fun. '90s or, or early well early '90s and early '2000s big man. I feel like he doubled up the knee braces every night too. Like oh yeah, four, that guy four was, knee braces across. That guy two looked knees.
1: like the Michelin man, dude. Like he had so many different pads <laughs> and stuff on. He looked icing his, his elbows yep. and
0: both of his legs after games. All right, now we get into the uh, the, the last three here from Mister Nelson. This is great, man. The best yeah, Timberwolves trades. It. Doing our work. Danielle Marshall, former top five overall pick by the mm. Timberwolves, to Golden State for googly, oogly googly, baby. Tom Gugliata. This was How a was landmark it- trade. This this helped the Wolves. Gugliata and it was short lived because Googs and Marbury hated each other. Yep. Uh, but Googs with KG with Sam Mitchell, and then Marbury. I mean, that was like the core of the first ever Timberwolves playoff team.
1: Yeah, I mean, Googs was really good. That's like. I do remember start watching a lot of games back then as like a teenager, but he was really good. That trade was really good. Um, And again, it just, it's crazy that you couldn't have, even back then, man, it was still personal behind the scenes dynamics that could, you know, just uproot what was a pretty good core. You know, we we saw that in Brooklyn recently, like just not being able to get all the players on the same page when it comes to team first, kind of nuked what was a promising little core of players.
0: Yeah. Okay. Two left here. And this one on paper at the time was a great trade. It didn't pan out the way that you had hoped. Kevin Love for Andrew Wiggins and another former number one overall pick, Anthony Bennett from Cleveland. And then Thaddeus Young also came over from the Sixers in that trade. So it effectively wound up being Kevin Love for Wiggins, Anthony Bennett, and Thaddeus Young.
1: People will probably poke fun of this, but at least as my fandom at that time, I was so excited about that, because you kind of knew that this team had, I don't know, plateaued or whatever, or again, failed to put really good pieces around Kevin Love, who again, Kevin Love and his prime, I guess he had different primes. He had kind of the kind of pudgier version of himself in Minnesota that like had the 30-30 yeah. game, then he slimmed down and went on to win a title with the Cavs, and I think now he's actually getting his jersey retired in Cleveland, but uh, How about that man, I mean, for a team that, you know, again, you got to think back, they had never actually like... Really, won moved up in a lottery or had a chance to draft top players. They had some of the worst NBA lottery luck in in the world, and for them to get kind of the top guy drafted, I mean that draft had you know Embiid as well, and Jabari Parker was supposed to be really good, but this elite wing, athletic guy that can shoot and dribble and defend, um, they don't really make the prospects like they like Andrew Wiggins was. Now, did it pan out here? No. Did he even pan out fully in the league? I mean, I know he won with the Warriors, but I was about some of the most excited I've ever been. Like, holy cow, they're bringing in a guy who's like a 19-year-old possible franchise stud. Um, and then to get some of the other players too, like, yeah, we'll take a ticket on Anthony Bennett. That didn't work. but I, And that was a weird trade too because they had to like wait until September to do it or something. But
0: mm-hmm. that, was, that was
1: pretty exciting to get him. It just didn't really work out.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, at the time it was like, wow, this is, uh, you know, the love relationship was just it was it was not it was, amicable yeah. anymore it had it had been broken for a couple years and so to get to get wiggins and anything else but then wiggins didn't pan out until he got to golden state and then um the number one trade again this is in no real order but he does have this one listed number one kevin love along with so this is like the draft rights to kevin love along with mike miller brian cardinal and jason collins to the wolves um for OJ Mayo, Antoine Walker, Marco Yarich, and Greg Buckner going back to the Grizzlies. So it's basically, it basically wound up being OJ Mayo out, Kevin Love in, and then a bunch of peripheral pieces that could have just been interchanged. And that was on paper and in reality a great trade. OJ Mayo was a bust, man. He, he had a couple like okay seasons, but ultimately Kevin Love was a far greater NBA player than OJ Mayo. So good trade. Good trade
1: that trade reminds me too of like it was the the eve kind of before social media really popped off because the draft happens or whatever and then you just kind of like once the coverage on ESPN goes away you're kind of like i think i found out that kevin love was swapped for oj mail you know essentially not straight up but really the talent wise like the next morning in the newspaper it's like oh my god well, like that's, so that's I incredible was,
0: i was at target center for that for that draft party and if i remember correct so i was working oh, wow. for okay. uh, i was working for a yeah, I was working for KFan, and I think we were doing, like, a live – I was co-hosting, like, a live draft show, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I think Fred Hoiberg might have been, like, the assistant GM for the Wolves. I think Hoiberg – I'm pretty sure Hoiberg got up in front of the audience and talked about O.J. Mayo and how he's going to be a great centerpiece for us going forward. Like, did the whole O.J. Mayo, you know, not something you would do if you thought a trade was imminent, and then at some point later in the night – they consummated a trade and uh, like mo- yeah, most people had kind of gone home from the draft party and most people didn't hear about it till the next morning. So, but so there it is. There are at least eight trades nine now with uh, Conley and Nikhil Alexander Walker for two months of Delos expiring that uh, there are not terrible trades in Timberwolves history.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, the one, I don't think this was mentioned, but the one I always think of when it's like the wolves essentially have basically lost like almost every trade they've made, but when they traded, um, because you said Mike Miller, so it made me think of this. When they traded Mike Miller and Randy Foy and a couple of random parts to Washington, because Washington was like, we're going to win now. We're going to get these two starting caliber guys. And they got like the sixth pick in the draft. So then the Wolves had the fifth and sixth pick in that infamous big draft, you know, and then obviously they pass on Steph Curry twice. But it, I think it resulted in getting Ricky Rubio, who, again, didn't fully pan out in Minnesota, but gave you some really exciting seasons. But to get him for, I mean, you would never see that trade made in the league now. Like, to get an unprotected first-round pick for guys that are like, you know, that'd be like getting the, the sixth overall pick for Beasley and Vando. Like, oh, mm-hmm. two solid players, but you're not going to get the sixth pick for it. That's mm-hmm. like what they did back then, and that was – that was crazy, and it just, again, didn't pan out, which is this, the title of this Timberwolves book. But, uh, yeah, a lot <laughs> did, of fun trades to look back at. And, too, they've always been kind of in the mix in some of these big ones. I mean, the Wiggins trade was a blockbuster. That helped build the Cavs and bring LeBron back to Cleveland. So um, it'll be fun when, I don't know, I guess, our kids are hosting Flagrant House 30 years from now to talk about what the Rudy Gobert trade ended up doing. But uh, for now, that's probably not high, high on the list. It's it's probably in the no. middle somewhere.
0: No, it is uh, it is not. But the—, but the... But the season's not over yet, so we will see. We'll see if there's another chapter to be to be written here. That's a wrap on this episode of Flagrant Howls, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. I'm Phil. He's Kyle. Please give us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts, and click the subscribe and the like buttons on the Scornorth YouTube channel to help spread the word about the show. We'll see you guys next week.